2: We're breaking down the 2020 wide receiver prospects on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to RotoViz Radio brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at RotoViz, joined by the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Mr. Matthew Friedman. Matt, I know you love a good wide receiver, maybe not as much as a big-bodied running back from Alabama, but does this class have you excited?
3: Uh, yeah, it does. Um, you know, some people have talked about it, like one of the best, uh, wide receiver classes of the the past two decades, which I, I honestly don't know if we're there, but, uh, it is intriguing. Like, I think it it sounds almost, uh, blasphemous to say that, uh, when, you know, we're still not all that far in time removed from the great 2014 class. Uh, I think people have kind of forgotten how good that class was, but yeah, it is, it is a pretty good class.
2: Yeah. Um, I think it makes sense. We've probably already talked about uh, Jerry Judy just a little bit. Six one, one ninety two, junior wide receiver out of Alabama. Uh, obviously a school that carries a lot of name recognition into it. Many people think it's possible that he could be the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, in his final season at Alabama, 77 uh, receptions, 1,163 yards, 10 touchdowns, had a receiving dominator of... Uh, market share, 27%. Where are you? And forgive me, because I know where you talked about this. If I remember though, you aren't necessarily sold that he is going to be the first player selected, right?
3: Yeah. Uh, If you look at uh, some of the mock drafts that are out there and like, I should just say, okay, like on the one hand, you can kind of take these with a grain of salt. Like maybe they really don't mean anything, but um, you know, if you look at mock drafters who have had a record of success, Um, you know, and, and predicting where guys go. I think there is predictive value in using that. And I've had success doing that in the past. If you survey enough of them, it gives you kind of like a range of outcomes uh, for a particular guy so like if you see him going to number four on the high end and you know number 11 number 12 on the low end it gives you a sense of like okay like this like this is a realistic range you know like 25 to 75 percent of the time like he has a decent chance of being drafted there and probably even higher than that so uh looking like using that methodology Jerry Judy I think is very likely to be drafted in the top half of the first round but I, I could see a sort of wide range. Like he could go as high as number four. He could go as low as number 12. Whereas CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma, uh, who is bigger and has been, I think pretty much just as productive or close to as productive as Jerry Judy has been over the past two seasons. Yeah. Um. He's, I think, more of a lock to be in the top 10. Like, in uh, basically half of the, the mock drafts, he goes higher than Jerry Judy.
2: Yeah, so I think CD is, is 6'2", but I think he's like a pound or two lighter than, than Judy. So we're looking at a fairly similar uh, physical profile. One of the things that people will be quite enamored with, I'm sure, is a uh, receiving dominator of 039 this past season, at Oklahoma also had a yeah. 44% uh, share of their receiving uh, touchdowns. So, I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. Also had 14 touchdowns total. Um, I, I guess, though, that I probably should have asked before we really started talking. With wide receivers and we don't have the athletic measurables yet, is there one stat or metric that you really focus on, Matt?
3: Yeah, Okay, so this is a good this is a, a good question to ask right now, is specifically because it relates to Jerry Judy, and yep. I think Curtis Patrick wrote a piece at Rotaviz something about uh, Jerry Judy never broke out in Alabama, right? Am I like correct? And like I think yep. he wrote the a piece was and, that doesn't matter. And then, and then matter. asking yep. asking does it like does it matter? Yep. And, and right, so I I think like market share is uh, a very valuable metric to use. Um, I think you just always have to place it within an appropriate context. Right. Um, and so Jerry Judy's market share, even though it's low, it it doesn't really bother me um, because he had other target hogs there with him at Alabama. Like there are there were two other wide receivers who potentially could be first rounders uh, taking targets away from him. But he still had um, you know, a lot of production, uh, back to back seasons of over a thousand yards, back to back seasons with double digit touchdowns. So uh market share is important, but uh, I think it, it needs to be contextualized. And then aside from market share, and I guess you can kind of put it on there with market share, uh, age. And so, yeah. you know, thinking of like John Moore's phenom index, which uh, you know, ties market share to age, um, age is incredibly important. And I think I think people still, uh, although the the market has become savvier, I think people probably still undervalue the significance of
2: age. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, Like you said, I, I do think people are catching on. But really, I think that oftentimes when you are more or less splitting hairs with these top prospects and you can start to look at the market shares, um different stats in team you're still left with the situation they're playing in different places so it just makes sense to default to that guy that was you know 19 and a massive part of his offense versus the guy that was 21 and was a massive part of his offense not that that always plays out you know one of the things that we tried to pick on calvin ridley for was being older people were talking about the route tree and we were kind of like well it shouldn't be surprising that that that, at his advanced age, we're seeing him have those capabilities and able to play a big part. Um, but, you know, to some extent, you will have outliers like him that can kind of throw that narrative out the window. Overall, though, I think that I am more attracted to C.D. than I am to Jerry Judy. Uh, but for many people, though, they're still behind him. Uh, T. Higgins from Clemson six four two fifteen. Any chance that Higgins or maybe a Justin Jefferson, a Chenault actually are uh, more intriguing to you than either Lamb or Judy?
3: Yeah, I mean Higgins is super intriguing because he is like a bona fide big-bodied guy. He was a five-star recruit. Uh he was productive for multiple seasons uh at Clemson and uh you know, uh Dabo Swinney has a history of recruiting uh you know, potential uh potential stars uh, at the wide receiver position who become strong NFL players. Uh and so like I don't, I mean, I don't want to like overweight that, but like he's in a lineage that is strong. Uh, and he has all the other things to go along with it. Uh, and like he has the verified size. Like, I think CD Lamb is going to measure bigger than his listed size. Uh, I'm not sure about that with Jerry Judy, but like we know Higgins is already a big guy. Uh, if he blazes at the combine, I think he's the number one receiver in the class.
2: Really now, I don't know much about what people are expecting for and, and sorry, his speed. Let me, yep. let me
3: rephrase that. I don't think he. I still don't think he would be the first wide receiver drafted, but I think he would be my personal okay. number one and the guy I would want the most out of these top tier wide receivers. Okay,
2: yeah, that makes sense to me. Now, when you're talking about you know if he blazes for Higgins, where's your cutoff for that? Are we talking a four five, a four four, a four three?
3: I think anything under. Uh anything under four or five I would be yeah. happy with because yeah. he's you know what is he? I think like six four two ten. I think he might two, be six 15? five two fifteen. Uh hold yeah, on, I, I, mean, I
2: have it right here. He is uh six four two fifteen is the number that I have.
3: Yeah, six four two fifteen. So if he goes under four or five, like I will be yeah, pleased with that. Like think about it, like um like Galladay, I think was like roughly that size, maybe a little bit heavier, a little bit shorter and ran around like a 4.5 um so if higgins does that i will be pleased if he's you know around 4.4 like i will i will be incredibly happy
2: yeah i was gonna say for me with a player like uh, of that size and that profile when i see the four four fours when i really start to get excited not that um or, or just for somebody that might be kind of new to getting in on these numbers, hasn't listened to us talk too much. Like, um, it is nuts, but there actually can be a difference between a four five and a four four. Crazy as that might sound. Oh,
3: there, there's a big difference. And, and to to put more numbers on this, think of someone like DeAndre Hopkins, who you know I think was like six two two hundred and twelve something like that at his combine. He ran a four point five seven.
2: Yes. Um, yeah.
3: And and uh, Devonte Adams. Who was roughly in that same size range? I think he ran like a 4.56 to 4.58, something like that. Like, there are guys who are dominant in the NFL who are this size and running, you know, well above 4.5. Right. Uh, And so, for anyone to come in underneath that, uh, that signifies near elite athleticism
2: yep and then, of course, one of the things that we also will talk about are height adjusted speed scores, and we'll get we'll get probably more in depth on some of these later, but um, like we've said uh in relation to running backs with speed scores. It is always more impressive when you see these bigger bodied guys posting times that you might expect from some of these smaller players. Now, Kenny Galladay was a 4 5 40, which put him in the 63rd percentile at wide receivers. And let me, um, you mentioned DeAndre, right? You said, yeah. what was he, a four-five-seven, which is actually yeah. a 32nd percentile. So that shows you those right. seven-tenths of a second do make a huge difference in your uh, percentile. Yeah. Yep. So so that was T Higgins. Um before we get into some of the less talked about guys in this class, a reminder that if you're interested on getting in on some of the NFL draft props, which we know that Matt loves as a degenerate, you can do so at mybookie.ag. Million things that you can bet on. Definitely recommend it. Super Bowls this weekend. No better time than now to make use of the Rotoviz promo code. Head to mybookie.ag. Tremendous customer service. Some of the best player perks in the business. Quick payouts. I play there. We trust them. Absolutely great place to play. Um, just can't say enough about mybookie.ag. This is the week to do it. If you have not signed up yet, use that promo code rotoviz, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Those are the bigger names at the wide receiver position in this class. Maybe some people would want to throw Justin Jefferson in there. I mentioned LaVisca Chenault earlier. Is there a player yeah. for you that I have not touched upon and that we did not talk about when we did the NFL draft props that you've just been itching to, to uh, kind of you know uh, pontificate on?
3: Yeah. Jefferson is interesting. And Chenault is interesting. Um, Chenault, he's, uh, yeah, he, I will be very curious to see how he tested the combine and, uh, what the hype is around him after he does his pre-draft workouts. Yep. Um, so he's a junior, he's 22. He's the first of the wide receivers. Who's not 21 that, uh, I, I have in my rankings. Um, so, you know, Judy, and one thing that is interesting about this class is so many of these guys are 21 years old as rookies. So Judy, Lamb, Higgins, Jefferson, they're all going to be 21 years old in their rookie years, and then Chenault. So uh, 22, that's a knock against him has great size 6'2 220. I don't know how athletic he's going to be because I think he was, you know, I say just, but like just a three-star recruit entering college. So, um, you know, maybe he has really good speed, but we kind of have to see. Yep. Um hey, look, as can a I ask, sophomore. a question
2: on that. Not not to cut in here. Yeah. But um and I'm I'm not sure if I've ever seen this. Do we know if a study has actually been done to see if you can read anything into I know if you look at teams winning, the teams that do recruit the higher stars have better success, but in terms of like athleticism and, um, kind of intuiting athleticism out of recruiting stars, do we know if there is any relationship? Uh, okay. So I
3: don't know if there is a formal study, but I do know that a lot of, uh, a lot of what goes into like scouts, uh, giving, stars is based on athleticism or based on like their assessment of athleticism. Yep.
2: So you think that they're doing it with enough accuracy that to some extent we can say if a guy's a five star recruit, it does increase the chances that he is truly athletically gifted.
3: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even if they're, uh, even if they aren't really all that accurate in their assessment, um, of a guy's athleticism, they still have like the high school numbers of what a guy did. Yep. And so like if a guy just tears up, um, like the high school ranks he's probably a pretty decent athlete right right so like there there are like layers of correlation to this um so yeah i you know so we'll just have to see with uh with what kind of athleticism he has and honestly given that he's 6'2" and 220 it might not matter like how <laughs> athletic he actually mm-hmm. is you know like i i tend not to overvalue athleticism all that much with big guys anyway but uh one thing that is a little bit I don't one thing that's unfortunate is that he definitely regressed in his junior season, right he had uh, seven hundred and sixty four yards receiving uh in eleven games versus uh over a thousand yards receiving in nine games his junior year uh he but he's still interesting he gets used out of the backfield uh in the wildcat formation, so uh, as a sophomore he scored 5 rushing touchdowns on 17 attempts had 115 rushing yards but um each year uh he's you know missed a significant chunk of games because of injuries so i'm just i don't know i i like i see the upside he has and literally every mock draft i've looked at he's going in the first round uh so like you just you kind of have to have him locked in there but uh i'm just i don't know like i'm i don't want to say i'm pessimistic it's just like i'm i'm waiting to see
2: sure well i mean a real troubling thing is you mentioned not only did the um like the raw counting numbers go down but the market shares came down pretty significantly as well i mean if yeah. you look at the receiving dominator down from 0. 0.46 to 0. 0.28 uh receiving touchdown market share 0. 0.46 to 0. 0.25 we see the same thing at um you know receptions and receiving yards But perhaps we can counterbalance that, as you said, by a player that's shown that he can do a number of different things, which, as we've seen before, players that can um, be good returners. Lots of times that's a signal that there might be more there. Um, So with some of the skills that he displayed as a rusher, perhaps that will allow him to have a bit more success than we might be able to glean off of those numbers. Um, there, uh, There are two guys. I really want okay, to mention. let's do it.
3: Uh one is Tyler Johnson, yep. uh wide receiver from Minnesota and I did a mock draft I think last year. No, I mean definitely last year. I think it was for uh DCC and um I think it was before the uh guys had officially declared or hadn't declared. So I had Tyler Johnson, I think like as a uh you know rookie first rounder. Last year and uh, obviously didn't come out, returned to Minnesota for his senior season, uh, which I think was kind of a mistake. Uh, so, you know, you never, in general, the guys who end up doing really well in the NFL come out early. And, you know, maybe that's just kind of a, a byproduct of, you know, being great players when they entered college. But anyway, Tyler Johnson, a uh, decent size, 6'2, 205 pounds, uh, has been super productive at Minnesota for a number of seasons. Uh, you know, great market share numbers, a lot to like about him. Uh, And then another guy I'm super interested (laughs) in is Antonio Gandy Golden. And uh, it it angers me that he is starting to get more hype because I don't want people to be (laughs) on him. Like, I think, I think like he has a legitimate chance to be uh, this year's Kenny Galladay, Um, you know, coming from Liberty, a small school, which uh, has been, you know, playing at the upper level of college football for only two years. Yep. Uh, But in both of those seasons, uh, he had a thousand yards, uh, double-digit touchdowns in his sophomore season when they were still playing at, like I believe, the FCS level or maybe like Division II and FCS. Um, he still had a thousand yards, ten touchdowns. Uh, he's big, six four, two hundred twenty pounds, and at the Senior Bowl this week. Uh, you know, he was like the standout wide receiver. Uh, so I think he will continue to get more hype as we move into the process. Um, so, uh, a lot to like about him. I'm just like disappointed that, uh, the guy, like I was high on, like I had him, uh, at number 15 in my initial, uh, rookie dynasty rankings. And like at the time that seemed, uh, like abnormally high, uh i think people are going to start to catch up with that number and that kind of frustrates me, so because like there's not going to be as much value with him as i thought there would be right so
2: if you go to the box score scout and you pull up some of the comps for him it's hard not to get giddy but a key piece in this is we can enter in a custom draft round right now if you have to project where he's going what round of the draft do you see him going in
3: third or fourth third or
2: fourth round. i'm gonna plug in fourth just so that we're a little more conservative here and then read the list of comps to you now granted it might be a little bit skewed because he played at liberty but michael floyd devier posey julio jones leonard hangerson odell beckham jr ty hilton tyler lockett aj jenkins chris Givens, sammy Watkins. first uh 11 matches for him that is a pretty darn good group of comps
3: yeah i mean and i'm i'm sure you know like you can adjust it more to take yep. you know a little more into account like athleticism or you know whatever it is, but there is a lot to like about him.
2: Yeah, all right. So I definitely see you being excited about him. Was there another player that you really, I think you said the two guys that you're really excited about. So there's one player I wanted to ask you about, get your take on. That is Michael Pittman Jr., a senior oh yeah. out of USC, 6'4", 220, one of the largest players in the class, uh, one of the oldest as well granted coming out as a senior that will happen but i think he actually might be 23 when everything is uh i'm not, yeah yeah he is he yeah, actually he, give me 23? He will be a 23
3: yep. year old rookie
2: yeah right so um the production uh let me pull that up quickly i don't know why i'm typing usc not michael Pittman jr um you know what? I'm struggling here. So why don't you just start to talk? <laughs> yeah. So
3: he so this year um, he didn't really do much in his first three seasons, but, you know, progressively built out his role within the USC offense throughout his career. And then finally, as a senior, had the breakout season uh, in 13 games, had 101 receiving yards, almost 1300 receiving yards, 11 receiving touchdowns uh you know six four two hundred and twenty pounds so you you have to love that uh that size and um you know like i don't know like u s c has had like a hit or miss record with wide receivers but um you know i like those guys uh in general and uh i mean it's it's hard for me to dislike someone who has uh a big season and is six four two hundred and twenty pounds so Uh, I think he will probably be like a third rounder. Maybe like if he's super
2: athletic, he sneaks into the second round. Um, But I I like him quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that, uh, you know, he's one of those players who you see have a good combine, makes a pretty big jump up, um, at which point then he might become a pretty intriguing prospect. I mean, we have to see that athleticism. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that he is um, older, but. The, I'm the late breakout, yeah, yeah. The,
3: the late breakout is is not good, and it uh it has shades kind of of like Terrence Williams, who uh you know was like oh, so like 6'2", 6'3", 210 pounds or two hundred eight pounds, so like bigger than him, but a guy who didn't really do much at Baylor and then had like a breakout senior season. Um, but just, you know, like one year of production in his last year in college. Right. Um, that's a little bit of what it feels like. And I mean, I think Terrence Williams was kind of undervalued a little bit in the NFL. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of what it feels like, but I could see Pittman having uh, a few good seasons.
2: Yeah. So I think before we close out one question I want to pose to you that maybe newer listeners would have, you hear us talking about a player that's, I don't know, 213, 212. And then you hear us talk about a player that's 220. Why do we care that much about that extra eight pounds? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess that is a good question. Um
3: I mean, I guess it's sort of like in the eye of the beholder, and I don't know like if I actually really do care yep. all that much, um, but it is kind of on a sliding scale, right? And um, I don't know. I guess here's another way of thinking about, it. like, what was Mike Evans? Was he like six five, two hundred and thirty three? Something like that. Like I think that's what. Hold he on was.
2: I'll have it in a second. He was um at the combine. He came in at uh hold on, and let me just make sure it pulls up here. I'm looking at the right player. I'm stuck on DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Mike Evans at the combine was two thirty one six five two thirty one.
3: Okay, six five two thirty one. Like uh, that is massive. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it just means that uh. You know, some of the cornerbacks he's going to be going up against, he might outweigh by like thirty or forty pounds. Right. Uh, and so I think it just means that he can be all the more dominant. Uh, even if he doesn't get a lot of separation, or even if he does get separation, but the ball is underthrown, whatever it is. Uh, it just means that like he can be more physical than the guy he's going against. So, um, in general, I either prefer like the small guys who are super fast, who can uh, separate, or the guys who are big, and maybe they don't have great athleticism, but it kind of doesn't matter because they're just so much bigger than the guy they are facing.
2: Yep. Fun fact, as I'm looking at, and then I'm going to say a couple of quick notes on that. As I'm looking at Mike Evans, Darren Waller, 238, 6'6", we're in a four four six forty yard dash. Yeah. Dang. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, with the receivers, as, as Matt um hit a portion of it the other thing is as you're moving up in size if you're able to retain that athleticism it's pushing you up into different brackets of athletic profiles where we see fewer players like that so like julio jones Jones, exactly like you're not going to see many julio you're not going to see many dk metcalfs so as you can push yourself into these different stratospheres with your different size it's just something that can differentiate you um and perhaps give you a bit of an advantage and then i think obviously physically while it might be not intuitive that those 7 or 8 10 pounds could make a difference like Matt said when you consider that they're facing a cornerback who could be 190 after a while those differences start to accrue
3: yeah um it's i mean it's sort of like thinking about like uh, how assuming guys have the same athleticism it's better to be like LeBron James than someone who's smaller you know yep. like just because like he just he has more bulk <laughs> he can he can do more things he's just he can like it's a physical game and he can beat you because he's just bigger yeah
2: yeah definitely um was there anybody else that you wanted to mention I'm sure we'll be talking more about these receivers as we close down, but I will give you the chance
3: uh yeah, a couple of guys. Uh Jalen Rieger from TCU. Uh he didn't really have all that great of a junior season this last year, but he's still gonna be a twenty one year old rookie. He's on the smaller side, five eleven, one ninety-five. Uh, but uh, you know, he presumably has the reputation of not presumably has the reputation. He does have the reputation of someone who can fly down yep. the field. We'll see if that actually is true. Um, if it's not, I will be much less interested in him, but, uh, he was very productive in a variety of ways in his sophomore season. Uh, so he's someone who is intriguing, uh, Antonio Gibson from Memphis, who was listed as a wide receiver, but I believe played in the senior bowl as a running back. He is, uh, you know, like very much in the vein of who's that running back drafted by Dallas last year. I'm forgetting his name. Oh, out of Memphis. Not Bo
2: Scarborough. Um drafted the, the by backup. Dallas. Um Yeah, why can't is, why can't This is embarrassing, dude. Why can't we do this? This is embarrassing for both oh, of us. Oh, Tony Pollard. Yes, he's he's very much in the Tony Pollard yep. vein. So
3: I will be curious to see um how he's used in the NFL or like how he goes through the combine. Is he a wide receiver or is he a running back? Um so he's you know kind of in that like Ty Montgomery mold where it's like he maybe could move between both positions. And then one more guy, Denzel Mims from yep. Baylor. Yep. Uh six three, two fifteen, also uh you know, reportedly had a good uh week of practices at the senior bowl um you know very productive at baylor i like him quite a bit although he is uh, you know a little bit on the older side 23 but uh you know when you're thinking about guys you might be getting in the second or third round of a rookie draft like at that point age doesn't matter as much
2: yeah i've heard good things about mims coming out uh, reports recently as well also 55 percent of the uh, receiving touchdown market share dominator at 40 uh 0.43 of uh, Baylor's offense in that last season. Also, I will point out actually had a pretty uh, decent um, sophomore campaign too. So we did see him go over a thousand yards, eight touchdowns as a sophomore coming out a little bit later, but it's not like there wasn't some production prior to the senior season. So time will tell we'll be back next week Um, I don't know exactly what I want to focus on um, next week. So if anybody has any topics that they want to put on the docket, have Matt and I talk about any questions for him or myself, definitely shoot them to rotovizradio at gmail.com. I mean, Dave, I think it's obvious we're going to be talking about the XFL. (laughs) That's right. It looks like you're doing some research on it, Matt. Maybe maybe I'll float some questions your way. Is there anything that you want to mention about the XFL? Uh no, except I think it's
3: actually gonna be awesome. You do uh, all of all of the yeah. I think it's gonna be really good. All of the games are on TV, um, like actual uh, you know, like national yep. stations, uh, so people can watch those games. Um, I think the rules are fantastic. Uh, and, and like the the changes that they made from the NFL, like they're. There was logic behind mm-hmm. all of the changes that they've made, a lot of the things that people complain about with the NFL in terms of the way that the game is played uh the xFL has uh you know intentionally tried to fix hey, so yep. um yeah, I think there's you know the question is like
2: quarterback play, yeah. how is that going
3: to be? but you know I, I don't know we just have to wait to see, but I think it's going to be uh, a pretty good league
2: so here's the final question uh for the night before we close down in comparison to high-level college football, the actual quality of the game being played, do you have any read on how much? So let's say the NFL is a 10. Let's say that like a high-level college football game, like an Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, LSU type game, comes in at like a 6.5. Where do you think the XFL falls in between that? Ooh, yeah, I'd say maybe like... It's tricky, right? I because know. I think what yeah, happens is like you said like with like the a... quarterbacks, we can we can only get it up so high because there's so few guys that can really play quarterback at a truly like elite level.
3: Yeah. So maybe like a seven or an eight somewhere in there. I mean, I think the real question is like, if you are a football purist, um, like what does it mean to you? Like if you, if you see an offense just running up and down the field all the time, like how do you think of that as a good game? Or do you think that the game isn't as good because we don't see as much defense?
2: I think I'd like to see a little bit of a mix, but you know, some of that depends on the game. I suppose if every game played in the league, follows that scenario then then i'm a little leery yeah
3: so i I think a lot of the rules skew to benefit the offense um but uh yeah i think it's going to be really good i'm i'm actually
2: really excited about it all right well we'll be looking for oh i know i said another question but i'm just going to put this out there if they float these games out in 4k they'll they'll have me in 4k In 4k yeah like what is that like television yes in 4k you you uh are not familiar with this I mean, I, I, I'm a hermit. Like I don't, uh, I don't watch a lot of television, but not, well, I don't watch that much television either, but for sports, um, you know, I like to have my 4k, which there isn't okay. a lot. So I recently, we recently, after many years of needing to get a new television, made the upgrade around black Friday to get a TV, got a 4k TV. And now I just refuse to watch anything that's not in 4k. Of course, it's still not that easy to get broadcasts of everything in 4k.
3: Yeah. So uh I I have no idea what they're going to be doing with 4K obviously cuz uh, I I know nothing about technology. Yeah, also but, seeing uh, as you're yeah.
2: still using a desktop computer as we record, yes. as we record this. My favorite thing yeah. about the entire show is that Matt records it on his de- his desktop. Yeah, I don't see a problem with that. All right. On that note, that does it for the episodes this week. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at MattFDOracle. Thanks to my bookie for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran.